Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team it's drive time now welcome to tribe talk on the cleveland indians radio network tribe talk is brought to you by progressive helping indians fans save hundreds on car insurance everyone welcome to tribe talk presented by progressive jim rosenhouse along with you from progressive field in downtown cleveland where the indians are taking on the twins this weekend in a three-game series 410 first pitch on saturday and then on sunday a 110 first pitch before the ball club heads out on the road again on monday to play the detroit tigers over four days in the motor city good show lined up for you today the Indians uh, currently at 40% capacity for progressive field for their home games through the month of May. But great news from uh, the governor allowing sporting events to go full capacity on June the 2nd. And the Indians will take full advantage of that. And we'll hear from Indians Vice President of Communications and Community Impact, Curtis Danberg, about the decision and all that that entails. And what's to come this summer, very exciting news for baseball fans in Cleveland. We'll also have a, a farm report from James Harris, the Indians' VP of Player Development, and we'll have much more as we get rolling on Tribe Talk. But first, a look back at the week in review. And for the Tribe, they were out west over the past week, a uh, four-game series in Seattle that ended with three consecutive losses. So it was on down the coast to Anaheim to play the Angels on Monday night and a fourth consecutive loss as the Angels won the series opener 7-4. to So the Tribe was trying to snap that four-game losing skid, tied for their longest of the season on Tuesday night with Zach Plezak on the mound. And it was a great start for the Tribe in this one as Jose Ramirez got the scoring going early. The 1-2 swung on and lifted high in the air, deep left field. Home run, Jose Ramirez. And the Indians grab the early lead at 2-0. Number 12 on the season for Ramirez as he continues just an impressive season at the plate. 
consistent, and he's doing it where the rest of the lineup hasn't gotten it going yet. So teams can work around him, but he somehow gets good pitches to hit and doesn't miss. Later on in that first inning, the Indians looking for more with Harold Ramirez at the plate. The pitch to him, swung on, chopped to the right side, and it gets past the second baseman, Goslin. trickles into shallow right. All hands are safe. Re Reyes scores from third. Rosario scores from second. As the Angels fell asleep on the infield, and Rosario just kept right on motoring, and he scores from second on a bouncing ball on the infield that barely made it to the outfield grass. Yu Chang added a sack fly to make it a five-run first inning for the Tribe, but the Angels' high-powered offense wasn't going anywhere in this one. Home runs from Shohei Otani, Justin Upton, and Jose Iglesias tied the game at five after seven innings, but in the eighth, one swing from Josh Naylor put the Indians back in front. Claudio, always from the stretch, delivers, and it's swung on, and that's lifted high in the air, deep right field, and home run Naylor. Josh Naylor has put the Indians in front with a home run to right. Number four on the season for Naylor, and it comes at a great time. Brian Shaw shut down the Angels in the eighth inning, and then in the ninth, James Karinchak came on to try and finish things off. Indians play that defense to pull on the infield. The 1-1, swung on, and there's a high fly ball. Shallow right center coming on Ramirez, and the center fielder makes the catch, and that is your ball game. The Indians are winners again after dropping four in a row in dramatic fashion as Josh Naylor's eighth inning home run is the difference in a 6-5 to five win. Nice win for the Indians to snap the losing skid and a chance at a series win on Wednesday. Aaron Savali against Shohei Otani, the pitching matchup, and Otani, one of the great stories in baseball, leading the major leagues in home runs and pitching extremely well, too. This would be his sixth start of the season, doing things that haven't been done since Babe Ruth was pitching and hitting for the Boston Red Sox before he was traded to the Yankees. So once again, the Indians uh, looking to get out in front early, and they did grab a first-inning lead, this time thanks to Fran Mill Reyes. The 2-2, swung on, ground ball, third base, fair ball, down the line it goes. That'll score Ramirez. On his way to second is Reyes. He is in with a stand-up double. And the Indians have broken through against Otani to take a 1-0 lead. The Angels tied it with a run in the third. And with another in the fourth, they went on top 2-1. to one. But then in the fifth inning, Jake Bowers, the hometown kid from nearby Huntington Beach, California, got a pitch that he could handle. Bowers walked his first time up, facing Shohei Otani. Here's the pitch. He lines one high and deep, left center field, way back, a leap, but it's gone. Home run, Bowers, just to the left of center. And the Tribe has tied this game at two, as Ward gave it a great run, but couldn't catch up to it. And Bowers, not far from his hometown, goes deep. Tie game at two in the sixth, and for the second day in a row, Josh Naylor came through. Now the 2-1. Swung on, ground ball back to the mound, off the pitcher, and it trickles into left center. 
That'll score Ramirez. Motoring around the bag at first and staying right there is Naylor. He has an RBI single, and the Indians retake the lead. It is to 3-2 Tribe. Meanwhile, on the mound, Aaron Savali had a good one going. The 2-2. Swing and a miss, strike three. Got him to chase up high. Seven strikeouts for Aaron Savali, and the side is out for the Angels. We've played six in Anaheim. Your score, the Tribe 3, the Angels 2. And with Terry Francona playing the matchup game, he went with Emmanuel Classe to get through the eighth inning with no problem. And then it was James Karinchak again in the ninth to close things out. One and two the count on Rojas. Karinchak delivers. Curveball called. Strike three. And the Indians win it. Three to two the final score tonight in Anaheim as it is solid pitching from Aaron Savali and the bullpen. And just enough hitting to get the job done. Tribe takes two out of three at Angel Stadium. After the game, we caught up with Josh Naylor, who talked about the keys to his good stretch at the plate of late. Um, just kind of slowing down the game in those situations. Um, I mean, just, just knowing that it could be a tie ball game, could be up one, down one, and that you can you know change the game by tying it or, or taking a lead and just being kind of patient at the plate and waiting for that opportunity. You mentioned slowing down the game, and, and you play at a at a high level of, of energy and, and all that kind of stuff. Is it hard to, to do that because of just the way you like to play? Um, I mean, I, I do play at a, a, a high energy or fast pace, if you, if you may call it, but it's more of slowing down yourself mentally than physically. You can still be going as hard as you want physically, but knowing um, that your mental speed has to, you know, maybe be kicked back a bit because your physical speed's up, um, that's where you find the happy medium. And I'm still trying to learn it daily. Um, every time I go out there, just trying to play hard, but also, you know, no situations, calm down myself um, up top, and, you know, th that that's really it. To be able to do that, it, it just seems like experience is the only thing that allows you to do that playing major league games still very young in that regard and and is that the case just being able to go out there and play that allows you to get to a good point yeah i feel like um i mean the more you play and obviously it's, it's a it's a blessing to play and an opportunity but the more you play um you, i mean you figure out pictures a little more and um you kind of figure out what other teams are, are trying to do to you a little more you uh you slow down the game you know defensively you 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 think about plays before they happen type of thing so i mean yeah i believe that playing a little more often helps you kind of engage in the game a little bit more and, and learn more about yourself josh you look at at how the team performed at the tail end of the road trip and, and it seems like even when things don't go as planned and, and i know there was a, a tough stretch in the middle of that trip there's a, a good ability to forget the last game and just go back out there and, and have you noticed that with this, this team as the season has gone along yeah I mean every every day is going to be different I mean you're obviously going to win or lose and losing's tough but if you can learn just to get up the next day and keep fighting and just keep you know putting the pressure on the team um, just fight to one one and nine and you know the, the the game's never over to the last out so I think a lot of the players on this team understand that and, and realize that that you know we've come back from plenty of games where we're down maybe halfway three quarters away through the game and you know we end up winning and it's just it comes down to heart and just just you know wanting to win wanting to play the game hard because I mean the game's just going to reward you as, as you keep um, as you keep wanting to play hard and just just leaving it all out on the line to switch gears a little bit I've been getting some great reports on your younger brother Bo catching a double-a Akron 
Uh, what can you tell us? How's it going down there for them? Because everything sounds like it's going very well. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I think he's doing good. I pray he's doing well. Um, he, we text each other probably every day on, on both of our games and just how we doing, uh, what we did wrong, what we felt we did wrong, what we can you know work on a little bit. But I think for him, he's just he's growing daily, and Double A is a hard level, and I I want him to to continue to realize that that you know you're probably in the toughest minor league level there is, and a lot of teams send their top prospects there, you know, best pitchers, best whatever. And it's a league of, of developing, learning, and, and just, just growing. So he's he's doing that daily, which is awesome. Good stuff, Josh. Thanks a lot for coming by. I appreciate it. Thank you. So the Indians wrapped up their road swing, winning three, dropping four, but winning the last two. So they came home on an upbeat note. Off day Thursday, and then a tough one against the Twins in the homestand opener Friday night. Minnesota with a nine-run fourth inning. Won the ball game 10-0 as Tristan McKenzie started well, allowed just one run through three, but then four walks in that fourth inning led to his demise, and the Twins went on to the easy win. That's our Week in Review. Stay tuned. When we come back, we'll talk about an increase in capacity, progressive field going full capacity on June the 2nd. Curtis Danberg will fill us in after this timeout. You heard that safe drivers get rewarded with Snapshot from Progressive, so you went online to check it out. But then you saw an ad for a vintage baseball cap, and now you find yourself checking the stats of that team's second baseman in 97, wondering why his stolen base total dropped after his rookie season. Wonder how much his rookie card is worth. Yes, they said it was easy to save money with Snapshot from Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company in the Philippines, in California, North Carolina, or from all agents. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland, which right now for this weekend series against the Twins and then the next homestand with the Blue Jays coming in and the White Sox, most of that homestand will feature the 40% capacity that uh, they've allowed so far due to COVID restrictions. But those will be lifted on June the 2nd, the final day of the last homestand, full capacity at Progressive Field for the remainder of the summer. So that's great news. We had a chance to catch up with Curtis Danberg, the Indians' vice president of communications and community impact, and he says it's a great day, and uh, it's happening sooner than anyone initially thought the increase to full capacity. Exciting news for us as an organization, but most most importantly exciting for the fans. I know we've been all uh, hoping for this day to come, and uh, on opening day this year, the governor said, hey, we hope to be full capacity by July 4th. So we're beating it by a month. So definitely earlier than expected, but uh, very uh, happy uh, this day has finally come. What do you think led to that, uh, being able to get going a little bit sooner? I think uh, the numbers have gone down. Uh, so I know there were certain levels that uh, the governor was looking for as different uh, markers uh, to make this happen. Obviously, the increase of vaccines and still pushing the vaccine out there. Uh, for people to be vaccinated and I think you combine those two and you know I don't know if it's the chicken or the egg the people getting vaccinated certainly has led to the numbers going down in the state of Ohio and it allowed the governor to say hey we're pulling all the orders which also includes uh, removing the mask requirement here at Progressive Field so fans it'll be optional now when coming to the ballpark whether you wear a mask or not. June 2nd is the last day of about a week-long homestand 
Uh, what are some of the challenges to get that going and, and how are you playing it in the month of June to, to kind of really build into it? It is weird timing. It ends uh, final game of a homestand, a day game after a night game. Uh, and it's funny, the Reds are dealing with the same exact thing. They have an end of a homestand with a day game. Um, so we're going to have to take the zip ties off uh, after the night game on June 1st to be ready for full capacity on June 2nd for the day game. So a lot of things like that. We were put tickets on sale month by month. Um, so obviously we're bleeding into June. So you're going to have June 1st as a reduced capacity and then June 2nd is full capacity. So um, there's been a lot of uh, discussions internally how to, to make that work. But we'll, we'll find a way with our season ticket holders and single game ticket holders uh, to make it happen. Curtis Danberg joining us, talking about great news back home. The Indians able to go full capacity starting June the 2nd, and uh, we had mentioned before the break about the summer celebration starting on the June 11th weekend, a homestand starting then. Uh, tickets to go on sale. How's that all working and, and season ticket holders, all that that I know you've, you've had to kind of jump through some hoops to make happen quickly. Yeah, we're obviously working with the season ticket holders uh, to make that transition from the reduced capacity to full capacity. So everybody's going to be back in their regular seats from a season tickle or standpoint. For single-game buyers, uh, beginning May 26th at 10 a.m., Indians.com, we're going to put the remainder of the single-game uh, tickets on sale for the rest of the season. So that's an important date. If you want any games uh, the rest of the year, May 26th, 10 a.m., Indians.com is the place to get it. And a good reminder, too, we're mobile entry only now. So the best way, actually, to purchase your tickets uh, and cheapest way is right on your MLB ballpark app, right on your phone. I guess it's hard to know right now because there there are some unknowns. But do you feel like I mean, June 2nd is probably going to be a, a different kind of day. But starting June 11th, it, will it feel normal, you think, here at the ballpark? I think it's going to get pretty close. We're not going to be all the way there. There's going to be certain areas like the Terrace Club's not going to be open. We still have that for visiting families to access. You know, the furniture in the corner bar might not be in there June 2nd, but we'll probably have having that come in in June 11th. Um, you know, we're, we need staffing. Um, so there's going to be not all concession stands are going to be open because we're working feverishly to try to staff up. So if you're looking for a summer job, especially those teachers looking to stay active this summer, go to unions.com backslash jobs. Uh, and we've got plenty of different opportunities there, too. A lot of the same problems facing a lot yeah. of businesses uh, trying to staff. Well, it's, it's great news. I know uh, – a lot of planning has gone into it, and, and you kind of didn't know, and, and then all of a sudden you do know, and, and that's, uh, I imagine, a good day around the ballpark. It's a great day, and I think there's going to be a lot of smiles on people's faces on June 2nd when people aren't wearing masks. And we, we can cheer for our tribe and, and get fired up for a, a, a fun summer here at Progressive Field. Good stuff. Thanks, Curtis. Thank you. Always nice to have Curtis Danberg along to fill us in on some things happening in and around the ballpark, and uh, that should be a fun day June the 2nd and, and really fun when the Indians have a full-fledged homestand starting on June the 11th. Stay tuned. When we come back, we'll hear from James Harris, and our weekly farm report will focus on the AA Ball Club in Akron. That's next on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Now the Indians could blow this place off its foundation. These fans just aching to explode.
Drive Talk presented by Progressive continues from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend. And don't forget a lot of different ways to pick up our show. You can do so, of course, on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network participating stations, usually just prior to the Saturday game that the Indians are playing, depending on time. You can also hear it on uh, Indians.com, all the archived editions there, and in podcast form. It turns into that shortly after the show, so you can listen to it whenever you like, wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And speaking of podcasts, we get you through the week as well, Monday through Fridays, with the Rosie Report, regular season roundup. That's where we take a look back at the prior night's games and uh, run interviews that maybe you missed on the pregame or postgame shows. All kinds of good stuff on the Rosie Report, regular season roundup. You can download that at Cleveland Indians Podcasts. They're all in there. Uh, the Rosie Reports, Tribe Talk, uh, Jeremy Fedor's uh, History Podcast as well. All kinds of good stuff. So check it out wherever you download your favorite podcasts. James Harris is the Indians Vice President of Player Development. The minor league season's in full swing now, and we focus this week on AA Akron, where James says it's been a while, but it's great for him to finally be able to go to the ballpark to watch some live action now that uh, the games are underway. Yeah, believe it or not, first time on the field um, in over a year for an actual minor league game, so I was really excited to get there and see those guys. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's sad. Uh... Things starting to return to normal everywhere, it seems. And at AA Akron, normal for Tyler Freeman, uh, position player-wise, is hitting over 300, and it looks like he's off to that kind of start at AA. And, and when you look to challenge a player, uh, for him, he, he's done it at different levels. What are the challenges at AA that, that he's been able to, to show that he belongs at that level? Well, first, Tyler's hit at every level. So he hit in, in the AZL, he hit in... Um, at Mahoding Valley, he hit in Lake County, uh, he hit in Lynchburg, and now he's hitting in, in Akron. So that's kind of his, his calling card. The interesting thing about double A is um, pitchers know you a little bit more, especially with the six-game series. So um, guys breaking balls, they can throw breaking balls for strikes in any count. Um, they're str strategically trying to get hitters out and can do it with a good arsenal in double A. And it's, it's been great to see that he's still competing. And I know with a lot of infielders throughout the system, you're moving them around a little bit. Uh, does he have a steady position, or are you trying to do that with him as well? He's mostly played shortstop, which is what he's played his entire career, but you'll see him also at second base, um, a little bit at third. And in a crunch, you'll see him at first base. We're trying to get him as much versatility as possible, but a majority of the time you'll see him at shortstop. And uh, Ray Palacios, uh, another intriguing infielder at times. And uh, when you look at what he's been doing so far, what's been impressive? What's awesome about Palacios is he's very similar to, to Tyler Freeman. He puts the bat on the ball. He swings at good pitches. And, and recently he's been impacting the ball and, and, and hitting it out of the park, which has been a, a pleasant surprise. He's very versatile. Um, he plays mostly second base, but has played some center field, a little bit of shortstop, but he's also adding versatility to his toolbox. And, uh, his brother hit a big home run last night, but Bo Naylor is making a name for himself, too, as he works his way up through the system. And uh, as a catcher in the minor leagues, there's so much going on there in terms of development. And, and what are you seeing from Bo as a young player at AA? What's great about Bo is, I mean, he's only 21 years old, but he's played a lot of experienced baseball, like high-level baseball. He had some international play with Team Canada. He came in, and we kind of pressed here early in his career and, and moved him through the system um, early 
we had him at our alternate site where he's been around major league pitchers and, and been able to receive there. We brought him into spring training. We brought him back to the alternate site. Like he's, he's a guy who's had a lot of experience and is showing at 21 years old in Akron. And you're mentioning that arm strength wise, he's shown some improvements there. And is that difficult to do sometimes in an off season as you move from one level to the next to actually make some gains in terms of arm strength as a position player? Yeah, with him, it's interesting because he was so polished in a lot of areas. It was just one of those areas that we felt that he can improve. He worked surprisingly with our pitching coaches uh, to clean up his arm action. And then that and Luke Carlin, our, our catching coordinator, to be able to put a plan together to see if we can add some arm strength to give him more more weapons um, defensively, and he was able to do that. James Harris joining us, Indians Vice President of Player Development, and we're focusing on Double A Akron this week in uh, the bullpen, and uh, that's where some intriguing arms lie on that pitching staff. You're mentioning Francisco Perez is a name to keep an eye on. Uh, when you have someone coming back from injury, uh, it must be exciting to see them when they're healthy to see what they actually can do. And it sounds like that's the case, at least early on for Perez. Yeah, he had a little bit of an injury two years ago, worked his way back to be healthy. Then we didn't play, so we decided that he was going to go work in winter ball. And then now that we've seen him at 23 years old, um, we're really pleasantly surprised with how he had developed himself. And, and now he's seeing some success at the A level. And how about Nick Mikulajic? Uh, besides having a, a name with a, a lot of consonants in it, and, and I know you guys uh, shorten it up at times for him, but uh, what's he been doing out in the pen to, to make a name for himself? Yeah, we just call him Miko. Uh, makes it easy for everyone. Um, he's been around us quite a bit. So he was a guy who we also brought out early in, in spring training, spent some time with our, our major league staff, um, and he's impressed, sent him over to the alternate side at the beginning of the season, and he's a guy who has a mature, mature approach. Catchers love calling pitches for this guy because he can execute all of his breaking stuff. Um, and uh, he's a he's a uncomfortable at bat. So we're excited about him. And when we talk about bullpens in the minor leagues, and and you have some good arms down there, what you see at the major league level, it's it's strictly to try and win games, and and relievers have certain roles that they're in most of the time. But uh, how is it different? at the minor league level in terms of what you're trying to accomplish with relief pitchers there? Yeah, it's really very similar to, to other positions where earlier today we talked about uh, Tyler Freeman and getting him some versatility. It's like, well, we don't know what the role is going to be at the major league level. And if you watched our major league team lately with guys like James Karinchak and, and Class A, it's like there's guys who are pitching in, in leverage spots late in the game for us. So we don't know if these pitchers are going to get up there and be there. So we need to give them opportunities to pitch at various at various stages of the game. It might be some guys where we're trying to get length. The, the leverage might be in the sixth inning. So we might have to get those guys that experience in the sixth inning. It's not always in the eighth or ninth inning. Um, but we also have to get guys ready for their routines to be able to be ready to go in the eighth or ninth inning. So um, being able to make them as versatile as possible so they can help Tito and our major league team win in Cleveland is what we're trying to do in order to do that. We have to give them some versatility. Right. I think we all know, too, on the pitching front, that certainly has been something that has gone very, very well. No question, the Indians pen right now, uh, best in the major leagues. And uh, sounds like some more good arms on the way. James, as always, thanks a lot for checking in. We appreciate the time, and we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks for having me. That's James Harris, Indians Vice President of Player Development. Stay tuned. Our final segment comes your way shortly on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network.
Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. You are powerful. You're a warrior who bathes in your enemy's tears. Then you step out of that refreshing tear bath and into a bathrobe that somehow looks good on you. Yeah, you can pull off a robe. There. Don't you feel better? You'll also feel better when you save money for driving safely with Snapshot from Progressive. Mmm, savings you can use to buy more robes. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents. Welcome back to our final segment of Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. And obviously, Tribe Talk, a, a Indians baseball-centric show, but every once in a while. And this is kind of Indians-related, I, I think it's still fair to say. One of the really great pitchers in Indians history is Corey Kluber. He won 98 games in an Indians uniform. One night against the St. Louis Cardinals back in 2015, he struck out 18 Cardinals. He won two Cy Young Awards in an Indians uniform. Just a tremendous career. He was traded to Texas two years ago and, and had a, a tough two seasons there, injured in one and actually one season there, and, and he was injured for that season. So he signed with the Yankees prior to this season, and after a slow start, things really have begun to click in for him, and he threw a no-hitter earlier this week against the Texas Rangers and uh, certainly was a great night for Kluber. Uh, it was the sixth no-hitter of the Major League Baseball season, but that does not diminish in any way what Kluber accomplished. And uh, here's the final out from outstanding Yankees broadcaster John Sterling. Now here is the 0-1 to Calhoun. Hit on the ground to second. Torres throws to first. End time. Ball game over. Corey Kluber has pitched a no-hitter. Corey Kluber came within one man of a perfect game. He pitches a no-hitter, and the Yankees are delirious on the field, celebrating with Corey Kluber in the middle. And they are jumping all over him, and Corey Kluber is all over Higashioka. Water bottles, they're pouring water on everybody. Hugs all around. This is really something. You know, to come to this team, John, what he tried to do to get here, the injuries, and it, it didn't look maybe it wasn't going to work. Corey Kluber always thought it was going to work. This is a remarkable story, and we're only in May. And here's Kluber talking about it after the game. You came close twice in Cleveland in 2015, I think six and two-thirds innings. What does this mean to you to have finished it off and gotten a no-hitter? Um, I, I guess I don't really look at it as, you know, being close and that it means more to get one. Um, really, I just think it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I think it was, it was a special night, uh, you know, but I've never been – Part of one, witness one, let alone throw one. So, you know, I think, uh, I guess more than anything, just just a lot of fun to be a part of. Thank you, Corey. We go next to Marley Rivera. Hi, Corey. Congratulations. Thank you. Corey, this may sound a little silly, but at one point, did you realize that you had a no-hitter going? Um, you know, I think I was aware of it, just, you know, just part of, you know, pitching and stuff, you're aware of what's going on, but probably didn't really start thinking about it until maybe after the sixth. Um, I think at that point we'd gotten a couple runs. So, 
you know, obviously you get the couple run cushion, it, it, it makes it a little bit easier to to kind of pound the strike zone and, and know that you got that, that run support, you know, in your back pocket. Uh, but, you know, even, even thinking about it, being aware of it, I don't think until that last inning, you know, I ever kind of, I don't want to say like, let it affect the way I pitched because I don't think that we really changed the way we went about it, but I don't think I was, you know, like, all in on it, I guess, until the last inning maybe. And Corey, how important was Kyle in this, in, in this accomplishment that you've had today? And and uh, pitchers always get something really nice for their catchers. So are you thinking about it? Yeah, I'll have to think of something for sure. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what it'll be yet, but uh, I'll definitely, definitely have to, to think of something. But yeah, I mean, that, he was, he was unreal back there tonight. Uh, you know, I think that the way that, the way that he goes about calling a game, um, you know, I, I feel like the way we see things, think about things, you know, it kind of makes sense to each other. Um, I think tonight, especially, you know, he was, I feel like when they were geared up for a fastball, he was on it. When they were looking off speed, he was on it. Um, I feel like he just had a, a really good feel of, of what they were trying to do. And then, uh, you know, called a great game back there. Bingo next to Brendan Petty. Corey, we all know that you're not someone who shows a ton of emotion. Ninth inning, though, are you freaking out internally? I wouldn't say freaking out. I mean, I, I definitely think that, uh, you know, I, I had to take a breath after the warm-ups and, and calm myself down a little bit. Um, you know, I, I probably would compare it to kind of the feeling before uh, maybe first playoff start, just you got, you know, heart beating faster, some adrenaline going, things like that. Um, so in that sense, maybe it was helpful that, you know, I, I've, I've kind of felt that before and, and kind of had that to go back on to sort of, um, you know, know what to do in that situation to kind of get myself to relax a little bit. And could you just take us through the emotion of that last ground ball, that last out embracing Kyle? Not, not really sure. Um, you know, I do remember after, uh, after Luke caught it, I just remember my first you know reaction was to, to find Higgy. Um, but from that point on, I really couldn't really tell you. Bingo next to Brian Hook. Hey, Corey, we saw some photos from the clubhouse. The celebration looks like you got a beer shower in there. Uh, just what was going on behind the scenes and what was that whole kind of party like for you? Uh, yeah, I think just, again, a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's, it's not all that often, I guess, so you get to, to be a part of something like that. And so I think, you know, it, it, I think that for the other guys, say how much it meant to them to, to be a part of it was definitely something that was special to me. Um, you know, I think that it's it'll go down as a no hitter in my name, but you know, obviously, it takes the entire team to to accomplish something like that. So, you know, I think everybody was just just celebrating that. Thank you. Bingo next to John Schwartz. Hey, Corey, start off with the two strikeouts looking right there. I mean, is that something where when you know you have that working kind of when you're able to hit the corners in the way that you were there? Is that just something that you know you can kind of play with for the rest of the game? Not really, because I didn't execute either of those pitches, you know, where we were trying to. We were trying to go away with the changeup to Willie, and I yanked it inside to him. And then so a lot we were trying to, you know, go down away with the breaking ball, and I kind of accidentally, you know, front-doored him with it. So, uh, no, not really. I mean, I think that more than anything, uh, just trying to, after that first inning, reel in those misses a little bit. Thank you. We go next to Lindsay Adler. Hey, Corey, was your family able to be here tonight? No, but, uh, 
you know, my wife was watching, uh, well, didn't like to watch too much, but she turned it on in, in the last inning to watch, watch the end of it. So what do you, what, what did, did something feel different with your breaking ball tonight in terms of getting in for strikes? What, what was working with that pitch specifically? I don't think there's any different about it. Um, I think that I've probably been getting more and more comfortable with it as far as, um, you know, throwing the right one when I want to land it for a strike, the right one when I want to try to get a swing on it, um, you know, the right one when I want to get a chase on it, that sort of stuff. Uh, not saying that I want to, you know, talk about that one first inning, but I think just on a more consistent basis, um, kind of kind of throwing it where and the way that I want to the last few starts. We go next, Meredith Morakovitz. Hey, Corey, when you look at this outing as a whole, do you look back at that third inning and, and ask yourself, what if at all with the no. walk? Yeah. No, um, I don't really do too much with what ifs. Um, obviously, I would have liked to not walk on four straight pitches. Um, that being said, uh, you know, I think at that point in the game, it's still nothing, nothing. So my thoughts after that walk were, you know, to try to, try to get out of the inning with, without allowing a run and, and try to get back in the dugout and let the offense go do their thing. Go next to Tom Merriam. Congratulations, Corey. Thank you. Was pitching a no-hitter a goal of yours once you made it to the big leagues? No. Um, no, I don't. I'm not really sure if anybody has a goal of throwing a no-hitter. Um, it's such a, a rare thing to do. Um, you know, I, it's never really been something that I set out. To, to do on a single day or, you know, a goal of the season or anything like that. Was there a play where you really thought uh, you might be in trouble? You know, I think that anytime, whether it's tonight or any game, a ball's put in play, you know, your reaction is to kind of turn around and see if, if somebody's there, things like that. Um, that one, obviously, I think the the ball that Culberson hit up the middle, that, that DJ was right there. And then I think it might have been the inning before when uh, Davis hit the ground ball to third base. Um, you know, just not sure of the positioning where guys are at and things like that, but definitely relief to turn around and see guys right there. What an accomplishment for Corey Kluber. Just another great day to add to the resume for him in what will be a fine career when it's all said and done. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive. As always, thanks to Brian Motze for all of his help back at our network studios, putting our show together each week. Until next week, I'm Jim Rosenhouse. And you've been listening to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 